Me and Pam, we met three years ago. Um, we met at PTAC, actually, and I came into the office. Um, and I came as a small business owner, wanted to learn more how I can grow and build my business. So Pam actually works with government contracting. She's doing that um, for the majority of her life. She's also uh, an expert in photography. She's done photography, um, IT. Um, she She's very knowledgeable. She's a business consultant. She helps me with my business. She's more than just a friend. She's a mentor, a life coach, and uh, consider her family. So thanks for coming on the show, Pam. And, you know, we're just going to talk. Um, so first question, you know, for people who may not know who you are, um, you know, where are you from? What's your background? And, you know, just for people who don't know who you are. Okay, I can answer that pretty simply. I'm just a city girl from Baltimore. Grew up in Baltimore, um, and I uh, then went off to college. Actually, my first foray into college was at in actually in a place called Ripon, Wisconsin. Um, and I, uh, after a year of study there, matriculation there, I decided to change my major because I went in thinking I was going to be a lawyer. And then I decided that that could be a little lengthy process. And so I decided to transfer to Towson State University at, um, in, just outside of Baltimore. Mm -hmm. I got the degree in mass communications. That's where my love for photography and, and videography uh, took shape, even though it looks a lot different than what it looks like today. I mean, we had film and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, so, and I got out, and it was in the uh, height of a serious, the first serious recession of my lifetime mm -hmm. um, and in the 70s, and I could not find a job in, in uh, mass communication without probably moving to a small town, very north, very south, very west. Mm -hmm. um, and at that time, I was I actually was newly married and got married right after college. Mm -hmm. So we had two careers. We were trying to figure out what made best sense. And so we decided to stay in the metro D.C. area. Mm -hmm. And so I looked at other avenues for me. Okay. And I became a decided to get into computer science. It, it kind of found me. It was an opportunity at an environmental earth science firm I was working at. And um, I thought that seemed like an up-and-coming career, computer science. And actually, even at Towson at the time, they didn't have a computer science degree. So that kind of dates me a little bit here. Mm -hmm. So I um, started getting involved with computer science and programming and things like that. Yeah. After that, uh, doing the programming thing, I actually started working um, in some, some small businesses. And that's where my, my interest came the first small business I started working for that was uh, was a minority firm. It was an 8A firm. It was called, it's a little firm known net, called Network Solutions, Inc. Mm -hmm. um, and they had the first contract for domain registration, and the internet was born. Wow. So you seem very knowledgeable of a lot of different ranges of industries, but, you know, what would you... How would you explain what it's like to be a business owner? I know you own, you know, your own business, you had employees. So how was that experience just owning and running your own business? Well, owning and running my own business has been quite the ride. And I've become a serial entrepreneur, actually. 
Um, and what I found is that it's a lifelong endeavor mm-hmm. and it's, and it's a constantly moving environment because I decided to go into government contracts and, so, and that has its own kind of circumstances that is constantly changing with rules, regulations, administrations change in what is, uh, acquired or the acquisition procurement process changes. Mm. So you have to be constantly, if you didn't want to be a life learner, Mm. small business, government contracting should never be anything you want to do. You just want to be in a nice little comfort zone and work your, your 40, 40 plan. Yeah. 40 years, 40 hours and then retire. Mm -hmm. Um, then, Government contracting and small business ownership, let me put it that way, yeah. is not what you should be looking at. Yeah. And we talked about that, even like, you know, myself just doing the work is, you know, what most entrepreneurs want to do is do their craft, whether it's photography, videography, um, but the back end work is the most important part. It's the business of business is business. And that's saying that kind of stuck with me because you don't want to think about doing stuff for money, but mm-hmm. without money, your business can't run. And um, the service and the good you can do for yourself and your community, your family, is generating the revenue that can can keep your business going. Mm-hmm. So you got to make, and the way you do that is you keep, like I was talking to Taylor earlier, we were talking about how you got to have the right team. Mm-hmm. And as in the good to great book, he talks about having the right people on your bus. Mm-hmm. You're never going to be good in, in business without having the right team yeah. because you can't know everything. Yeah. I can't know the business, the accounting and, and, and then keep it on top of my, just keeping on top of my craft mm-hmm. is, is a little thing. And that I can't really realistically do if I'm also running a business, if I'm hiring, if I'm an HR person, if I'm wearing several hats. I'm wearing the HR hat. I'm wearing the mm-hmm. the business development hat, the capture management hat, I, and, and then I'm coding on the weekend and in the evenings. Right. So you got to figure out how you can put your structure together. It's the systems and the processes that you put in place that will make all the difference. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about some of these cameras here. Uh, I know we did a little preview before. Um, we showed some of these cameras off, but you can just like walk me through you know, each camera and significance of it and, you know, maybe why you got it or how they work, how they function. Well, some of them I actually got when I, from my early uh, time in, in, in photography and especially this first one over here, mm-hmm. the Mat 124G, it's, which was a portrait camera. Mm-hmm. And I got involved in doing portrait photography and it's a little box camera and it would have, it had a large, larger, uh, landscape platform for your image to be captured okay and it had um it was like the best camera for portrait photographer at that time and that was in the 70s mm-hmm. and then i moved to um which i actually have another one over there that we don't have here mm-hmm. into regular film ca- camera okay. um and with that mm-hmm. You had to get your film. You had to have a dark room. Mm-hmm. I had a dark room bag. I mean, it had everything, all the little toys and stuff that went along with it. I found out I'm a bit of a gadget freak <laughs> before there was a lots of gadgets out there. Yeah. So, uh, and I found out I kind of got that from my mother because she 
as it, when she retired, she became a photographer herself, okay. as well as she would fix computers in the neighborhood for the other seniors in the neighborhoods. She's no longer doing that, but that's what she took on doing. Gotcha. When uh, So some of these cameras actually came from her or some of my uh, relatives. Like um, this camera came from my great-grandmother. Okay. Um, this camera came from my great-grandmother as well. And I believe this one came from my mom. Wow. So it's kind of like camera legacy world. Yeah, wow, that's awesome. So I wanted to ask you, uh, I know you're one thing certified. Yes. For people who don't know, what is The One Thing? The One Thing is a, it was a book written by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. And they wrote the book and it's really talking about focus. So the name, The One Thing is kind of misleading because we look at the first thing we learned in The One Thing in the the process of becoming certified and, and getting mastery in the area is that there are seven areas of our life that really make up our a complete life. Mm-hmm. And if you want to look at having a whole life, because the one thing is about identifying at the time, mm-hmm. what's the one thing you need to get going and keep growing in order to, to get your, the life that you want right. for you and your family, your community. So the seven areas are spiritual, mm-hmm. Physical, your physical health. Right. We talk about personal. And personal is an interesting one because you often ask people about who are they personally? Right. Who are you? Right. And a lot of times people, and they don't talk about who they are. They talk about the roles they play in society. Right. Their wife, their mother. I'm oh, a programmer. I'm a photographer. I, I do these things. Yeah. But that's not who you are. Right. That's what you do. And you need to take time and understand who you are and make mm-hmm. sure you're, you're satisfying the dreams and goals in that part of your life. Yeah. After personal, you look at your key relationships. There is life doesn't have any real meaning without having real relationships and making sure that you keep those relationships going. Mm-hmm. Because what happens if you focus completely and it, it used to happen quite frequently in the uh, old days and the more traditional generations where the father left the home. He worked, he worked, he worked. Mm-hmm. The kids grew up and barely knew him mm-hmm. because he wasn't there to mm-hmm. interact and build that relationship with, with the children because mm-hmm. he was so busy earning that income, which that was a requirement. That was a kind of like a lifestyle at that time. Right. So after you have your key relationships organized, you can you have a job mm-hmm. for the most part. So you have to make sure that in order to keep that job, you want to keep your skill sets up and going and, and expanding and that late lifetime learning kind of thing comes into the job area. Mm-hmm. And then for some of us who have businesses, then there's the business area that you need to make sure you stay on top of that because that business will have strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats mm-hmm. that you need to pay attention to mm-hmm. and make sure that you will stay on top of those. Mm-hmm. And lastly, mm-hmm. and it's, interesting that it's the last thing is finances mm. and with the one thing we don't really talk about an order mm. i went through an order of one through seven but and those mm. kind of work for me okay um but in reality 
it depends on what the, the, the priority for you are in those, those areas. And when you work on them, you need to work on all of them yeah. over time to get a rich, rich and rewarding life. Right. But you don't have to work on it in that order. It depends on where you are in your life. Like for me, mm-hmm. the number one made sense spiritually mm-hmm. for me because I had, I had, I had moderate success. I mean, I had a company, I had, up to 30 employees and things like that. And they had government contracts. And I did a government tracting for over 25 years. Yeah. And, um, but things happen and life happens and mm-hmm. illnesses happens and yeah. family members come and go. Mm-hmm. Your marital situation may come and go. Mm-hmm. So those things can change the trajectory of what you're going and where you're going with your life. So yeah. you have to keep that good balance going so that you're strong enough to weather the storm. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I want to ask you more. I know, I know we both know you're working on a course of government contracting. So we could just share uh, with people who don't have a clue or don't know how to get started or what to do. You know, what are, what are just, you know, a few steps to, you know, to, to do and where should they, you know, look forward to, to your course? Well, I'm actually developing a course that I'm going to be uh, releasing on the Udemy, the Udemy site and platform. And it's a class that I'm calling GovCon for government contracting from soup to nuts and everything in between. Okay. And that's because, I, you know, we often hear these little sayings and stuff. And we just, we say them yeah. and we're not really sure what we're saying. Yeah. And when we look into them, we become surprised at how in-depth it is. So the term soup the nuts mm-hmm. sounded kind of strange to me. And when people use it and I've used it and never really paid attention to it. Mm-hmm. So I just said, let me look into what soup the nuts because it sounded like beginning and end right. from alpha to omega. Right. And that's really what it does mean. Okay. Um, and when you talk about uh, a full course from the 1800s, a full course could be up to 10, even up to 20, they say, 20 different courses. from They say starting from soup to nuts, but it really started with appetizers, but I guess soup to nuts sounded better. Um, so with that, you have, you have your soup, you may have your... Um, you know, your appetizers, you have uh, your roast, you have your vegetables, then you have desserts, you have, and you get to the end of it, you got a nice little glass of port wine and nuts. Mm-hmm. And that's how it's described if you look up uh, soup to nuts on Wikipedia or go online. It talks about from that state. So when you decide to have a formal dinner uh, back in, it's not just the menu right and the menu is pretty extensive when you think about a 10 course meal right but also you got to worry about what are the place settings what are the beverages throughout that those those uh courses mm-hmm. um who am i going to invite because mm-hmm. it was a pretty lavish event for most people it's not like like we go today uh, throwing our jeans and go over to TGIS or F's or whatever. It was a formal thing. So that's what I thought about. And I said that, you know, really, government contracting is a soup to nuts kind of thing. It's quite broad, quite enhanced. And you need to really look at it from beginning to end before you start. And a lot of times we have a skill set. Like I've heard people, even if you look at E-Myth, they talk about the baker. 
So you you love baking cakes and pies, and your family convinced you, oh, you should go into business. You could make a lot of money making. But then, and that, and you love baking because you like the feeling it gives you when people are enjoying your meals, right? Right. Just like I know when I do photography, it was great because I could take a photograph that would capture almost people's soul for that moment in time because photography is about an instance. Mm. So, and that was a great feeling when you could find, when you can see what a person is feeling, is showing in his face, is showing in his action in that that instance. Mm. Well, what you need to do is to be able to broaden that and know how do I take this and, and, and make sure that I can continue to capture that and not just live for that moment right. and grow my business. Right. Okay. And um, I also wanted to ask you, because I know, like, you know, our relationship is, you know, considered, like, the boomers and the millennials. Um, talk about how do you see, like, those different time times and different ages? How do you think, you know, we work together or those ages work together? Well, I had, it's funny you, said, you talk about that because I was taking a, another kind of life development class and I was looking at how can I figure out, because this was the, when I first realized the first time in history that you had five generations working together right. for the first time. And then you always hear people talk about, oh, those millennials. And then those <laughs> millennials are saying, when are these boomers going to quit? Right. And, and so forth and whatnot. And poor Gen Xers, they just like hung out there in the yeah. middle. Don't nobody know what to do with those folks. Yeah. And I even actually even did a thing. I took a test, mm -hmm. uh, like an assessment of what generation do I really fit with? Mm. And I'm sure it was just primarily due to the fact that I have a technology background and computer science degree that I really fit more with millennials than I do with boomers because mm. I like the gadgetry, I like the technology and yeah. whatnot. So with that, but I also, because I'm in the technology and right. because I solve problems with computers and programming, right. I always knew that there was always more than one way to solve a problem. Mm. And based on people's thought process, which comes from their learning and living experience, a problem, because if I gave 10 people the mm. same problem, I could come up with a result that was the correct result, but the process in which they got there mm. could be 10 different ways. Mm. So that's the same with generations like with you and I, I think work together really well because I do have that early photography, videography background. Mm -hmm. So I have an aspect of it that you don't have. You would never have. You would never have this kind of computers. I mean, yeah. uh, cameras in front right. of you. Right. Um, so we work together because and there's stuff you showed me that's been really kind of cool, even. The technology yes. we're using today right. with the camera that we're using today. <laughs> yeah. It's just been mind-blowing how technology, I mean, it's blowing your mind and yeah. this is your generation. <laughs> so that's the whole thing is, and we can learn. So I was creating a, a board game mm -hmm. that had the generation of five, gen it required five generations to solve a problem together. Okay. It wasn't a board game where the individual would win. Right. Only teams could win. Right. And each team had to be representative of all of five generations. And they bring their wisdom from their generation into oh. the results. 